Hey everyone, good morning again and welcome uh, to our service here at Impact Life Church. So glad that you could join us and uh, I know this morning God's got a word exactly for you right where you're sitting, right where maybe you'd be driving somewhere putting this in your ear. Regardless of where you're at, we know that God has got a word for you today and I'm excited to be with you. So again, thank you so much for joining us. And if you're sitting down and you're watching this, I want you to get your Bibles. I want you to get a notepad or something or your iPad or something to write on because I believe that there's some specific things that God really wants to speak to us about today. And I'm, again, I'm so excited about today. I'm, I'm pretty jacked and wired. I don't know if you could tell or not. But anyway, so let's begin this here. And you know, over the past couple of weeks, just something the Lord has been stirring in our hearts here at Impact Life Church is that we would learn to walk closely with Him, especially in this time and in the season that we are in. It is vital for you and I as Christians, as believers, that we walk very closely to our Lord, to our King, to our Shepherd. You know, just before Jesus died uh, and went, went to the cross, there were in uh, John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, were kind of the last words that he gave his disciples before he left. And one of the things he told his disciples in John chapter 15 was really the whole message around that is stay close, right? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, it shall be done for you. Like all of those powerful verses that we read, but the important aspect in all that, what is the, the underlying statement that Jesus is saying is, I need you close, stay close. It's vital for you and I that we stay close to the Lord, especially in these times and these seasons that we're in. The world is dark. The world will only continue to get darker and darker. So you and I, in order to show off our light, to reveal the saltiness that we have on the inside of us, we got to stay close to the Lord so that we can also not only be a light, but reveal truth and light in this day and age that we're living in. So again, let's go into our Bibles. And uh, over the course of these weeks, we've been talking about faith, living by faith. What is faith? How does faith work? Those are all questions that we're going to get into over the course of upcoming weeks. But over the last two or three weeks or so, uh, the times that I've been with you, just something that the Lord has been again stirring in our hearts is walking closely with him. And in order to do that, we've got to learn how to live like God lives. And again, the question we've asked is what is the lifestyle? How does God live? God lives by faith. Say that with me. God lives by faith. Now faith, let's just go over this real quickly in definition of faith. Faith is the highest level of living, highest level of thinking, highest level of speaking that you could possibly act or attain to. Faith is it. Man, I think it's amazing. Living by faith means that I live by what God has said in his word. You know, Jesus said this in Matthew 4, 4. He said that men shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the word of God that you and I possess, that you're holding in your lap, that you're maybe reading it on your phone, you and I, we have the word of God. And it's not, these aren't words that God spoke, you know, long, long time ago. He's actually speaking today through his word. The Bible is not a book about people just writing about God. It is God directly speaking to you and I. And we've got to see it this way. The word of God, the Bible that you're looking at, that you're maybe seeing on the screen. These are words that come right from the lips of the creator, right from God himself. And we have to treat it that way. We have to look at it that way. Lastly, living by faith means that I make a quality decision every single day that the Word of God is my final authority. Regardless of what I see in the natural, regardless of what's taking place in the natural, I've made a decision in my heart, in my mind, that what God says is, period. 
when what I see contradicts what he said, I'm always going to stick with what he says. That's what it means by living by faith. And that is a choice that you and I have to make on a regular basis. Because a lot of times what we're seeing in the natural, what we're seeing in the external realm is going to be different from what I'm seeing in the word of God. So what do I do? I stick with the word. So this morning, I want to encourage you how we approach the Word of God, not only today, but just in your daily life. How you approach the Word of God is vital for you and I. It's so important that we look at the Word of God, not only, as I said, God speaking directly to me, but every time I go to the Word of God, I'm expecting wisdom from Him. I'm expecting direction from Him. I'm expecting insight into who He is, into the ways of God. I want to know Him. So that's how we're going to approach the Word of God even this morning. Now, I want to just read you a couple verses here in Psalm 119, verse 92 through 96 in the Passion Bible. And I want to just show you a couple words that David said in regards to his pursuit or his approach to God's word. And in verse 92, it starts out this way. Because your words are my deepest delight, I didn't give up when all else was lost. And that's just powerful right there. Because the word of God has become my deepest delight, I haven't given up. I didn't lose everything else when all was lost out in the world. 93, I can, can, I can never forget the profound revelations you've taught me, for they have kept me alive more than once. Lord, I'm all yours, and you are my Savior. I have sought to live my life pleasing to you. Even though evil men wait to ambush to kill me, I will set my heart before you to understand more of your ways. I've learned that there is nothing perfect in this imperfect world except your words, for they bring such fantastic freedom into my life. Man, those are awesome. The word of God, look at his approach. Lord, I'm in, I'm in uh, extreme delight in your words. I take deep delight in your words. Now your words, everything else is imperfect, but your words are absolutely perfect and they bring such freedom into my life. And then in verse 105, it says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. So this morning, I want to encourage you that this is how we approach the word of God. It's not just, oh yeah, the Bible said this or the Bible says that. No, 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 no. This is what God himself is speaking to you and I. And so we take it with utmost respect. We take it with such reverence that, man, this is God talking to us today. This is God revealing his truth today. So when you approach the word of God that way, in fact, what happens is you can start to expect direction, expect wisdom, expect God to talk back to us simply because of the way we approach his word. So let's do that this morning. Amen. We're going to approach his word with great honor, great respect, so that his word not only is are we just hearing it, but it's talking to us and it's giving us wisdom and direction. Now, in regards to living by faith, this is how God lives. This is how he operates now, I want you just to think of this. God is not going to change the way that he operates. He's not going to change his level of living, thinking, in order to adapt to where we are on this human level or on this earth. Instead, because of God's greatness, because of his mercy, what has he done? He has actually elevated you and I, those that have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He has elevated us now to live like he does. We get to live by faith. I want to say this for sentence again. We get to live by faith. 
What an absolute privilege this is, is that you and I have the opportunity this morning to study faith, to learn about faith, to understand and see how God operates, how he lives, so that I can now, in turn, operate and live that same way and get the exact same results that our Heavenly Father gets. Now listen, Romans chapter 8, verse 17, it says that we are heirs of God, and since we are heirs, we are also joint heirs with Jesus Christ. This is how he sees us. He sees us as his heirs. He sees us as his children. And so what has he done? He has qualified us, made us able now to live a lifestyle of faith. Man, that is best news. Right there is good news. Right there, that, that's why you clicked on this morning. Is just to even hear that phrase right there, that we get to live by the word of God. We have the ability to live by the word of God and see it come to pass in our lives. This is good news. This is it. Now, over these last three weeks, as I said, we've talked about this, but again, I want to go over a couple of these things because I really want us to get it, especially in the season and the time that we're in going into 2021. I know for myself, this is something the Lord's been stirring in my heart. It's for me. I, I want to learn and become skilled in operating and living by faith. Yes, in my personal life, absolutely, and with my family, with my wife, with my children, but also from the church. I want to, I want to be skilled in operating in faith. And I, I want that to be your goal as well, because this is how God operates. You know, Amos 3.3 says, how can two people walk together unless they be in unity? God is not going to break away from faith. God is not going to stop faith because, you know, you and I would like to operate some other way. So instead, what we're doing is we're hooking up with him, wanting to live the same way. So now I want to again go over some of these, these questions that we're asking today is, why faith? Why faith? And a couple weeks ago, we said this, number one. It's how our Father functions. Faith is not a denomination. Faith isn't a movement. Faith isn't a theological position. Faith is the way God lives, the way He speaks, the way He thinks, the way He acts. Really, if you can see it actually from Genesis chapter 1 in creation, you see how God operated, how God creates the world, how God creates what's inside of Him. How does He get it out? He does it by faith. And then I'm going to read this to you in Psalm 33, verse 6 and verse 9. It says, The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. Man, isn't that powerful? What did he do? He merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He, what did he do? He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. So how does God operate? By faith. Now, God functions differently than what a lot of people may think the, that he operates or functions by. God doesn't function by the sense realm or the natural realm. God doesn't operate by needs. God doesn't function or operate uh, out of fear, right? He never reacts or responds to something happening in the earth and boom, he responds out of fear towards it. God is not negative, He's not a negative being. He never speaks negatively. He never thinks negatively. He's a faith God, so he always thinks positive. That's who he is. That's how he operates. Everything God does is by faith. Every interaction that we have between God, even in our private times with him, when we spend time in the word or in prayer, God's interactions with us are always done by and through faith. Now, I want you to turn in your Bibles. Go to Romans chapter 1, verse 17. I want to just show you this, but if I want to know God more, if I want to become more deeper in, in my 
you know, relationship with him or in the gospel of what Jesus has done for us, it, you know, it doesn't come by more study. Now, there's nothing wrong with study. Study is great. But knowing God more intimately is not a result of me just studying more or even having to understand the Bible in the Hebrew or in the Greek context. In fact, how do I get to know God more? How can I walk closely more with him? It's done by faith. Because again, faith is not knowledge. Faith isn't understanding, right? All those things help faith, but that's not what faith is. Faith isn't in the intellectual realm. Faith is not of the mind. And in Romans 1.17, you see this here. It says, for in it, the righteousness, for in it meaning in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. The right standing with God is revealed. Now I want you to see this from faith to faith. And then it says that as it is written, the just shall live by faith. But look at it clearly again. For in it, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So if I'm wanting to understand and go deeper in my relationship with God, it is done by faith. It's done with this expectation that every time I get into the word of God, God, I'm going to get something out of your word today. Lord, you're going to speak to me from your word today. That's how more insight or revealed knowledge comes to me. It's by my expectation, right? It's not me just, if I can study more, then I get to know God. God is not a mind. He's not a brain. He's a being. And the way that I approach him or the way that I can understand and have a deeper intimacy with him is by and through faith. Okay, so that was the first thing we talked about. Why faith? It's because it's how our Father functions. Number two, we are called now to imitate Him. Now that I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, now that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've been called out of the kingdom of darkness, you've been transferred into the kingdom of His dear Son. Now in this kingdom, this kingdom operates a certain way. The kingdom of darkness, this world realm, operates a certain way. It operates by fear primarily. It operates by the sense realm. And thank God we have all those things, but God has transferred us out of that. And now he's given us a new way of living, which is called faith. And so now as his children, I'm called to imitate him and look just like him. Ephesians chapter five and verse one, it says it like this. It says, be imitators of God in everything that you do. For then you will represent your father as his beloved sons and daughters. You know, throughout the Bible, you also see in four different places, Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. You see it in Romans chapter 1 and verse 17, which we just read. You see it in Galatians 3.11. And in Hebrews 10.38, you see this phrase, the just shall live by faith. This statement, what you see in the word of God, is not a suggestion that we live this way. It's a command. You and I are commanded to live by faith. Every believer, everyone that has called on the name of Jesus as their Lord and Savior, there is now a new way of living and it's called living by faith. That's how we're called to live. Even in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. This is how you and I are called to live. And not only this, but faith is required. It's required of you and I in order to walk closely and intimately with him. And in these last days, it is so important that we understand how faith works. Right? So that was number two. Again, if you want more in-depth and study on some of these things, you can go back into our podcasts and you can hear those things out again. You can just check out Impact Life Church and they're all on there.
I just wanted to go over it real briefly again so that we're all on the same page as we move forward going into 2021. So again, the question is why faith? So number one is because that's how our father functions. Number two is then we are to imitate him. Number three, faith pleases God. It pleases him. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says it like this, It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God is and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. Now, when you read this, I know sometimes I've read this and kind of go like, man, if I'm not living by faith and God's just angry at me. No, that's not the case. It's not that God is hard to please. It's not that he's some kind of tyrant or he's unreasonable. But remember, I want you to flip the floor. I want you to flip it and think of it like this, that um, God is not pleased when I'm not receiving all the blessings that he purchased for me at the cross of Jesus Christ. He's not pleased when I'm, he's not pleased when I'm not seeing those blessings, those promises in my life. He's not pleased when I'm not victorious. He's not pleased when I'm not living an overcoming lifestyle that doesn't please him. So what pleases God? What pleases him is when God, when, when I'm blessed, when I'm successful, when I'm healed, when I'm free. That's what gives God the greatest pleasure. You know, God's been lied about in religion, religious terms. God has been lied about. People a lot of times, especially in religious circles, they'll start thinking, you know, God is happy when you are a nobody, you have nothing, you can do nothing, except for just beg to God and hope that he helps you out. That is not Christianity. That's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to reveal. I mean, we've said this many times before. Jesus is not just an example for us. He's an example of us. When you see Jesus walk those streets, when you see him healing, when you see him blessing, when you see him doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil, that is an example of what we're supposed to be doing. Well, how can you say that? He's the son of God. Yeah, he was. But then he died, went to the cross, rose again. And now he said, all who call on me, they now become children of God. And he even said in John chapter 14, verse 12, all these things that I do, you'll do also. And even greater things than these, because he goes to the father. This has always been the plan of God that you and I operate and act just like Jesus did. We are children of God on this earth. We are the salt, we are the light, and we ought to act that way. Right? We ought to live that way. But again, going back to why faith, it's impossible to please God without it. Not that God gets angry at you, but it's because God isn't happy when you and I aren't living the victorious life. He's not happy when you're broke and sick and not able to be a blessing to anybody. That's never been his plan. In fact, he doesn't like that at all. I believe it's Psalm 35 verse 27. It says, let the Lord be magnified and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure at the prosperity of his servants. God gets happy when you're blessed, when you're successful, when you're healed, and when you're free. So let him bless you. Let him love you. Let him bless you so that you could be a blessing to somebody else. That has been the name of the game from God from day one. And you can see that all throughout scripture. Now, again, next, next point I want to make is number four is faith gives me access to his grace. Faith gives me access to his grace. Say that with me. Faith gives me access to his grace. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 and verse 21, it says it like this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Woo, we get excited about that, right? We rejoice over that. You really think about it. Before I had Jesus, before I accepted Jesus into my heart, I could not and did not live life by faith. I live life based on any kind of natural whim that would come, right? The Bible even says that any um, horrible carnal thing that would come into my thinking, I would just do it, right? Ephesians chapter 2 talks about whatever I felt like doing, I just did. But aren't you glad that Jesus came and he revealed truth to us? He revealed his love to us. And what happened? You got born again. You accepted Jesus into your heart. And what happened? Your spirit, man, got completely reborn, completely, uh, yeah, reborn, as I said, and you became just like him, just like him. And then on top of that, he says, now we live by faith. How do I live? By faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now keep your eyes on this. Look at verse 21. And in the New King James Bible, it says, I do not set aside the grace of God. In the Amplified, it brings it out more in, in um, it gives you some different terms for that word to set aside. The Apostle Paul in the Amplified Bible says it like this. I do not frustrate the grace of God. If I don't live by faith, I frustrate the grace of God. What is Grace. Grace is everything that God has provided for me. Not because I earned it, not because I deserved it, but simply because He loves me so much that He just not only gave me Jesus, but he, since He gave me Jesus, He'd give me everything. His grace is everything that God's provided simply because of His kindness and His goodness towards us as His kids. That's grace. Now, if I don't live by faith, I frustrate the grace now, we know this, that God is the greatest giver, right? And quote with a verse I just kind of quoted, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God is the greatest giver. He gave everything he had in heaven to get you and I. This is what he did. It was his greatest joy to adopt us into his family. In fact, the Bible tells us it gave him great pleasure as this is what he wanted to do. God is the greatest giver. Now, what would frustrate the greatest giver is someone not receiving what he has already provided. So what does faith do? Faith lays hold or takes hold of what God did at the cross through Jesus, pulls it into himself and says, I believe what God did. I receive what God did. Lord, thank you for that. And the blessings start to come that way. But faith is what gives me access into the grace of God. Faith gives me access. Say it with me. Faith gives me access into the grace of God. And you can see that Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. I believe Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 12. That you see that phrasing, for by him, our faith in him, it gives us access into all the privileges that Jesus came and gave us. Man, it's powerful. So we've got to know faith. So why faith? Because faith gives us access to grace. Can you see there is nothing more important and as we go into this year, there's nothing more important for you than to understand how to live by faith, understanding the ways of faith, understanding the steps of faith, understanding how not only to please God, but to see now what he did at the cross. Now see it manifested in my life. Jesus paid way too high of a price for you and I not to experience all the blessings that he gave us. It's crucial. So again, just to recap, why faith? Number one. Faith is how our Father functions. Number two, faith is, uh, we are called to imitate Him. Number three, 
Faith pleases God. Number four, faith gives me access to His grace. And so we went over these things in great details in past weeks. But today what I want to give you is just one last thought on this, on this question, why faith? And then we'll probably move on from here in the coming weeks. But why faith? Number five, it's this. It's the only way to win or overcome in this life. Why faith? It's the only way to win or overcome in this life. And I want you to turn in your Bibles. Go to 1 John chapter 5. Uh, verses, we're going to read 1 and verses 4 and 5. In the Passion Bible, it says it like this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is God's spiritual child and has been fathered by God himself. Now, I want to just stop right there. And that first word right off the bat is the word everyone. If you've accepted or you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he came as God's son, it says that you became God's spiritual child and you have been fathered by God himself. Isn't that wonderful? So who's your daddy? Father God. I have a father in heaven that he calls me son or he calls you daughter. And I can call him father. I can call him dad. That's who he is to me. He wants to be my dad. It's amazing. It's wonderful. And then he says, and everyone who loves father God loves his children as well. Now skip down. Look at verse 4. You see every, there's that word every again. Say that with me. Every Every, I'm an every, I'm an everyone, I'm an anyone. Every child of God overcomes the world. Let's just stop right there. Who overcomes the world? Come on, say it with me. Who overcomes the world? Every child of God. Who overcomes the world? Every child of God. Are you a child of God? If you've accepted Jesus, you better put your hand up and say, yes, I am. I'm a child of God. What does that mean then? If I'm a child of God, that means I am a overcomer. I am a world overcomer. But now, because that's who I am, that's how God made me, that's who I was created to be, but I may not be overcoming in my life. I may be facing hardship after hardship and things constantly taking me out, things constantly beating me up. Now that may be happening, it's because you haven't learned to use the tool to overcome with. Now look at the, the latter part of this verse. Again, you see every child of God overcomes the world for our faith. Come on, say it with me. Our faith. Say it loud. Our faith. Our faith. Come on. F-A-I-T-H. Faith. Our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. It's the tool that you and I, God has given us, that we use to overcome in this evil world. So I've been called to be an overcomer. That's who I am. That's my identity. That's your identity. If you've called on Jesus as your Lord and Savior, guess who you are? You are a child of God. And no child of God is ever called to be a loser, to be a wimp, to be defeated in this life. That is not your identity. You were taken out of that old identity. You used to be a loser. You used to be a nobody. You used to constantly lose time and time and time again. But this is now who you are. You've accepted Jesus. You are now a winner because Jesus made you a winner. Now, how do I see this winning lifestyle appear or happen in my life on a regular basis? I have to use the tool called faith. Faith is that tool. Again, we're answering the question, why faith? It's the only way to win or overcome in this world. Now look at verse five. 
So just in case you didn't get it, just in case, you know, you're reading chapter 5, 1 through 4, and you're like, man, okay, that sounds good. But again, then he emphasizes again in verse 5. So who are the, con- the world conquerors defeating its power? Those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Ooh, man, I don't know about you, but that gets me stirred up, especially in the days that we're going into. We need some Christians winning. We need some Christians overcoming. We need to demonstrate to the world that our God reigns. Not only does he reign in heaven, he reigns on the inside of me, causing me to reign in this life. That's who we are. We are called to reign because we are joint heir with him. Now, if you're going to live the Christian life, guess what? You're also going to have to learn to fight. There is no such thing as being a Christian and not fighting. We, there's sometimes this weird misconception that, okay, now that I'm a Christian, everything's going to be rosy and everything's just going to be wonderful and great. It's not. Sort of burst your bubble this morning, but it's not. The moment you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now the battle begins. Now you become spiritually aware of, hey, there's an enemy out here. There is, there is darkness. There is, there is a devil that is on the loose doing his best to steal, kill, and to destroy. He's out there, but thank God I have faith. Now you and I, we are called to fight, right? You can't just sit on the sand, I'll let somebody else fight. No, 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 you are in this fight. It's called the fight of faith. If I don't fight, I don't overcome. If I don't fight, I will not overcome. So the fight that you and I are called or to engage ourselves in is found in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. Look at these words right here. In the New King James Version, it says, fight the good fight of faith. And then he says, lay hold of eternal life. But say this with me, fight the good fight of faith. This is the only fight that you and I are called to fight. If I'm in any other fight, I'm in the wrong fight. We have to get out of the wrong fight and get into the right one so that I can win. I fight the fight of faith. Say that with me three times. I fight the fight of of faith. Again, I fight the fight of faith. One more time, I fight the fight of faith. This is the fight that I'm to engage in, is the fight of faith. Now, what my fight is not, this is sometimes where people miss it. This is sometimes where if you step out and you're fighting in any other battle, you won't see it. You won't get the results. You won't be participating in the overcoming life because you're in the wrong battle. Now, right here we see this, is that I'm not fighting for God to bless me. I'm not fighting God and convincing him to give me his blessings because he's already given it to me. I'm not trying to convince God, oh God, like this we said in the word, oh God, I'm just, I'm gonna just bombard the gates of heaven. I'm gonna pray all night long to see until you did this, until you bless me, God, until you do this in my life. Listen, that's not the fight. Jesus has already come, went to the cross, died on the cross. When he said it is finished, that means it was a done deal. Now grace abounds towards you and I. His goodness abounds towards you and I. Everything that Jesus uh, did on the cross, he did it for you and I. So that every blessing from the Father now becomes something that you and I can receive and enjoy in our life. So our fight is not trying to get God to do something for us. The other thing is, is that we aren't fighting people. I do not fight against flesh and blood. Now let's go here for a moment. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 12. It says this, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles 
of the devil. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against, now notice what we're fighting against, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly realms. Now, before we kind of tap into that, I want to show you this right here. Verse 11, he says that you will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, the fight is against the enemy. And it's so important that you and I understand our enemy, that we have an idea of what our enemy is like. And, you know, if you, especially, I'm just thinking, for an example, in the boxing world, before you go into the ring against somebody, what do you do is you actually get a little bit of an idea of the opponent that you're going to fight. You understand his quickness. You understand what he's good at, his strengths. And then you're also studying some of the weaknesses, some of the areas that aren't as strong. And you're, you're looking at them. You're seeing how he operates and go, okay, that's how I can hit him here. I can come on this way. I can fight that way. I can go over top. I can come underneath. You're, you're studying your opponent to understand and to see how you can win. Now, we have got to understand, not that we're spending time learning about the devil. I don't want to pay much attention to him. But what is important is I understand how he operates. This word right here that we see that uh, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Another, tr- another way of saying it, the wiles also means the schemes of the devil or the strategies of the devil. Did you know that the devil has been here for a long time? <laughs> He understands human nature. He gets it. He's been doing it for millenniums. He gets it. He's been doing it for thousands of years. He knows what makes humans tick. He knows how to operate. He knows schemes. He's got ideas. He's got wise plans. But here's the thing, and this is where it's important for you and I. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 2.11. He says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, we should not be ignorant of his devices. We cannot be ignorant of his schemes. We cannot be ignorant of how he operates or how he does things. Because if we become ignorant to it, we're not able to fight properly. So we need to know our enemy and how he operates, what he does, how he, how he schemes in and tries to manipulate or deceive or trick us in any kind of way. So what is a strategy of the enemy? What is a strategy of the enemy? Let's go here to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3 through 5. And while you're turning there, I please turn there. Again, my fight is not trying to get God to do something for me. I'm not trying to convince God that he needs to do something in my life. God has already done it. He's already done it. Say with me, he's already done it. So that's not my fight. I'm not fighting against natural people, people that do stupid things or people that are just even influenced by the devil. I don't fight against anybody that has flesh or blood on them. But my fight is against the enemy. The, uh, the Bible tells us against principalities, against powers, against rulers in the darkness of this world, against spiritual hosts of the wickedness in the heavenly places. That's my battle. That's my fight. But now this is where I got to learn. I'm to call to fight the good fight of faith. So it's not like I'm looking for a devil. Okay, devil, let's, let's duke this thing out. Let me give you a couple uppercuts. Let me pound at you. Let me just yell and scream at you. No, that's not our fight. That's not our fight. Our fight is the fight of faith. Come on, say with me, the fight of faith. So I don't necessarily even need to be fighting the devil himself. Jesus already paralyzed him, already whooped him. So my fight is a lot easier because Jesus took care of a lot of that. I fight the fight of faith. Now look here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What are the enemy's plans? What are his strategies? What are his schemes? The plans, the the schemes of the enemy is that he brings thoughts and imaginations to our minds that are contrary to the word of God. This is what he does. This is what he does persistently, consistently. He is always doing this on a regular basis. So for you and I, it is so crucial that we know what the word of God says. Because if we don't know what the Bible says, we are easy to be deceived. We're easy to be tricked. That's why, especially in this time and this day that we're living in, where now (laughs) good is called evil and evil is called good, we got a lot of Christians messed up in their thinking, thinking that all the evil stuff that's going on out there and a lot of evil people that are out there doing good things, they think it's good. Why? It's because they're not getting in the word. They're not close to what God says in his word. And that's the problem. And so the devil is so good at deceiving, so good at tricking, but you and I, we've got to, when we know the word of God, when we take the truth from the word and we put it inside of our heart and we renew our minds with it, we become very difficult to deceive, very difficult to trick. And I'm about you, but that's who I want to be. That's what this church is all about. That's what you're all about, is we aren't easily tricked. We aren't easily deceived because we know the truth of the word of God. We know what he said, and because he said it, that's the reality and that's the truth that we're standing on. Now, I want to just give you kind of this little example here, but we are told to slap it down. Now, I want you just to picture here, uh, picture here for a moment, so I don't actually have one with me, but a, um, a helium balloon just kind of standing here. And you know what helium balloons come? They kind of just, they keep coming up, right? And whatever you want to while, you, you just got to slap it down. Now, I want you to think of this, that the enemy is persistent in bringing thoughts and bringing imaginations to you that are contrary to the word of God. So what does he do? He brings a thought. Here comes the thought. And what does the Bible tell us to do? Slap it down. He will come back again. Slap it down. He'll come again. Slap it down. He'll come again. Slap it down. You keep slapping it down until you start seeing, until he leaves for that season. Now look at this here again. My fight What's my fight? It's not people. My fight is not trying to get God to do something for me. My fight is refusing to let go of the promises of God. I'm refusing the temptation to quit. I'm refusing to get down or become worried about any kind of situation out here. And what do I do? Again, looking at 1 Timothy 6.12, he says, fight the good fight of faith, laying hold of eternal life. Or in other words, laying hold of the word of God or the promises of God. So what the enemy tries to do, he tries to bring these thoughts to you. And when this thought comes, you got to slap it down. Oh, you're not going to get healed this time. Man, what makes you think that you're going to be able to get healed? I know God did it last time, but not this time. Did you know what you've been doing? Those thoughts, they come in so subtly. They come in sometimes through the back door and they just start gnawing at you. And you got to pick it up and go, wait a minute. Hold on, where did that thought come from? That did, did it come from the word of God? No, slap it down, slap it down. And you do this until you see the manifestation happen in your life. Having done all to stand, the Bible tells us, stand there 
four, don't quit, don't back down, don't relax, don't allow fear in, don't allow worry in, don't allow yourself to get down depressed, refuse the temptation to quit because it's been so long. No, some of you are maybe saying you believe in God for jobs or finances, don't quit. The Bible tells us that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You're a tither, you're a sower in the kingdom of God, you've got rights, so refuse the temptation to quit. Just saying, oh, I guess it's not working. No, slap that thought down. Don't allow those thoughts to come in. It is working. You know, if you really stopped and think about it, why does he keep talking to you about it if it's not working? <laughs> he keeps bringing it up because it is working. Oh, you're not, you know, your kids aren't going to get saved. You know, your kids are so far from the Lord. Man, no, no, no. There's, there's no chance for them now. There's no hope for them now. You slap those thoughts down and you absolutely tell them where they need to go. And instead, you lay hold of the promise of God. You lay hold. God, I thank you that me and my household shall be saved. Lord, I thank you that someone was coming in that it will speak truth, that will speak love to my son or daughter or family member. Lord, I believe that. I stand on that. That is the fight of faith that you and I are supposed to engage ourselves in. I hope you can see that. Can you see that? All right, I know I can't see you, but I'm, I'm assuming you're nodding your head or saying yes with me. But this is the fight that you and I are supposed to do. Remember this, is that whenever you see a promise from God, whenever a, uh, the reality or a truth from the word of God comes and impacts your heart, the devil isn't gonna just sit back and go, oh, you saw that promise? Man, I'm so happy for you. No, he is going to throw everything he can to derail you off of the promise or the blessings of God. Don't quit. Say it with me. Don't quit. Man, this is where I keep the devil. I keep the devil constantly going back to the word of God. It is written. It is written. It is written. This is how Jesus had to perform. This is how Jesus defeated the enemy. This is how Jesus overcame the evil world. What did he do? It is written. It is written. It is written. So I would encourage you, find the promises of God. Pin them up around your house. Pin them in your car. Pin them in your shower. Pin them in your bathroom. Regardless of wherever you go, just constantly see yourself. It is written. That great is the peace of my children. Or the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow. No, by the stripes of Jesus I'm healed. Put that all over the place so you remind yourself and you keep casting down, slapping down those imaginations, those thoughts, those schemes of the enemy and refuse to be moved by them. No, because what I've made a decision, I've made a decision that I'm going to believe God. How many of you are with me? I believe God. I believe what he said. I believe that he's able and capable to bring about the promise of God, to bring about his promise in my life. He will make sure that it's manifested. He will make sure that it's experienced and seen in my life. That's his job. My job is to lay hold of what he said and never let go. Instead, declare it, believe it. Stand on it and act like it's true. Woo! So that's where I'm at this morning. And I believe that was helpful to you. But you keep standing. You keep standing. Refuse to let go. Refuse to draw back. And I'm excited to hear all the testimonies that God is going to do. The powerful things God is doing and has been doing in your lives. And please, if you got some, you got to let us know. We want to rejoice and celebrate with you. Because we know this, that 2021 is a, is a year for us as the body of Christ. The local church to be strong and to do great exploits for our God. 
We love you. Thank you much so much for joining with us, and we'll continue to see you uh, here online. Or if you can, come join us here at Impact Life Church in Red Deer. We'd love to connect with you and advance the kingdom of God together. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday, and we'll see you soon.